Hey there, welcome to Beyond the Bikini podcast, where you can enhance your body and your mind. My name is Nicole Ferrier, exercise science grad, certified personal trainer, bikini competitor, and coach. On this podcast, you will learn more about my experience in the fitness industry, competing in bikini competitions, mental health, and how to gain more success in your own life in your fitness journey. So sit back, relax, or power through this cardio session and enjoy. Welcome back, guys, to another episode of Beyond the Bikini Radio. Today, we have a guest. We have McKenna Olson on. Welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm excited to have you on today. So today, we're going to be talking a lot about yo-yo dieting alongside with how to diet smarter. But McKenna, why don't you take a chance to introduce yourself to our audience today? Yeah, so my name is McKenna Olson. I'm a nutritionist. I'm also a health coach and personal trainer. I went to school for exercise physiology and public health and started my business in about 2015. And then a couple of years later in 2017, 2018, went full time. So I gained a big passion for health and fitness from actually competing starting in 2012 or 2013. So it's been a long time since I started that. And that kind of inspired me to want to go to school for exercise physiology and public health and continue expanding my knowledge and eventually get to where I am today, building a business. Yeah. That's actually like really similar to me. I don't know if you know that, but I, I, <laughs> yeah, I started competing in 2015. I went full-time around 2018 with fitness. And it was one of those things where I was like, can this be a job? You know what I mean? Same. Yeah. Yeah. Like I was like in my undergrad thinking uh-huh. like, none of my professors know what I want to do, but I know it's a thing. You know what I mean? Totally. Well, that's kind of like around the time you said 2015 or 2016. Where Yeah. 2014, I would have been a freshman, right? 2014 and 2015, my brain's not working right now, but basically mid. Yeah. That's kind of when I feel like online coaching was kind of starting. It was, that's kind of where it started booming. And, and also Instagram didn't really gain popularity until what, like 2014? Yeah. Like my Instagram was like all personal and like selfies and random <laughs> like pictures of trees and sunsets and stuff. <laughs> yeah. And then it like transitioned into fitness in like 2015. Totally. Yeah. How funny. That is funny. Um, tell me a little bit more about where you feel like you're an expert in like with helping your clients. Yeah. So I would say there's two big focuses when it comes to helping my clients. One, it's just helping women who have been through chronic dieting phases. So helping them understand that they can achieve fat loss goals without sacrificing everything in life and really helping them find the balance between reaching physical goals, body composition goals, or specifically fat loss goals and still living life in the process. And then the second thing would just be helping them prioritize their metabolic health. Mm -hmm. Is there something that inspired you to go that route? Was that maybe like your experience of competing or like, how did you get to like wanting to help women have more balance? Because obviously there's many niches in fitness. Um, We see a more extreme approach. We see like, you know, keto and all this. So like, what made you choose this route? Yeah. So it actually was competing. And I always get like hesitant sharing my story with competing because I love competing. And, you know, as competitors, when we go through phases of life where we're not competing as often, 
some of us will joke and say we're retired, but we're not, <laughs> right? Because we still might want to do it in the future. So I had a really terrible experience, my first show, actually my first two shows with a coach who obviously before I went to school and got educated, did not really care about my health. And I had no idea what I was doing back in 2012, 2013. So mm-hmm. I was the coach who put me on, you know, a basic meal plan, the typical four or five foods that everybody else on my team was eating the same thing, um, totally not personalized. And I, my issue was post-show, first off, I wasn't given a reverse plan or given a plan at all. I was kind of left on my own and I was brand new to health and fitness and nutrition and kind of just kept going at that pace, doing tons of cardio you know, restricting my food, not really knowing how to navigate real life situations. And after some years, when I started going to school and getting educated, I realized there was so much more to learn in terms of nutrition. And I just wanted to get to a place where I could actually live life and still stay in shape, but, you know, have more social outings and things like that without sacrificing relationships and social life and things like that in my life. Yeah, I think the bodybuilding space is a tricky one, mostly because people don't believe like you can have balance. Like totally. it just gets so extreme where they're like, if you have balance and you're not a serious competitor and it's like very negative in a way, if you're not like dogmatic about things and like, it just is something that didn't really resonate with me. Um, you know, I still compete. I would say I plan to compete in the future. It's just I think that our off seasons shouldn't be about being as lean as possible, being super strict, being so like on prep, but more calories. Cause it's like, you have to learn how to live your life. Like at the end of the day, bodybuilding is just a hobby. Like it shouldn't like just be like consuming your whole life. Right. And it's hard to find that balance because like you said, it's very dogmatic in that community if you're not obsessed with it to the point where you are sacrificing everything in life, then you're not working hard enough according to some people. Right. But I agree. I mean, I think you can have different seasons of life and maybe if you are in a season of competition and you're getting closer to show, it's going to take a little bit more sacrifice, obviously with the more extreme level of body fat you're trying to achieve, the more sacrifice is going to come with that, which is so important to understand and even a lifestyle dieting phase as well. But I think it's healthy for us to take those off seasons where, yeah, we're focused, we're consistent with our training, but bodybuilding is not our entire life. It's just part of it, you know? Yeah. And that kind of leads into like, you guys might hear my dog shake her head a little bit. (laughs) There's also like a truck outside my door. Um, (laughs) But anyway, so that kind of leads us to our conversation of yo-yo dieting. Um, I think competing can be a big trigger for someone experiencing like maybe their first yo-yo diet, or maybe someone who is looking to get like really lean or lose weight quickly. Um, how common would you say you see yo-yo dieting and like, have you ever experienced it yourself? Yeah. And do you mean how often do I see it in my clients? Yeah, it could be, I mean, in, in your clients or maybe just people that follow you or like asking you questions. Oh, all the time, daily basis sort of thing. I mean, even whenever I'm launching a program and, you know, I typically have people apply for my programs, even when I'm doing application calls, I would say literally probably like 95 to 98% of the women struggle with the yo-yo cycle. 
So yeah. they're dieting or they're not at all. So yeah, big percentage. Yeah. Yeah. This is the whole, like, you only take your nutrition seriously when you're in a cut. Yes. And then like, if you're not dieting, you don't know how to be uh-huh. in a maintenance phase or how to be in a surplus. Like you just think that nutrition doesn't really matter as much. I think people actually do know it matters, but they just don't know what to do if they're not dieting, you know? Exactly. And I feel like majority of my clients are people who I'm trying to help get to that point where they're not having to track their food the rest of their life, but understanding that that can serve as an educational tool so that when they're in maintenance, they know how to eat without plugging everything in. Right. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, we want to get there. We want to be able to be in maintenance majority of the time. But, you know, making small sacrifices to learn about those educational tools when in a fat loss phase can help you know how to eat when you're out of a fat loss phase. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So yo-yo dieting to me is like overcompensating too. It's like your, um, let's say you're driving down a a road going straight. And so a yo-yo diet is, oh, I have this event coming up or I have this vacation coming up. I'm going to lose weight super quick. And you take a big right turn and you're swerving off of the street and you realize like how dangerous it is. You realize how unhealthy you feel, how low energy you feel. Maybe you're getting some results, but then eventually you realize like, oh, I'm stuck in a ditch or, you know, I got in a car accident. Like this doesn't, this isn't a good position to be. And so you decide to try to get back on the road. Eventually you do. And again, it happens again where people get tempted to diet or get ready for a certain event. So how would you say someone should go about like switching their mindset out of that cycle, even though there can be like constant temptation to want to diet? Ooh. So switching their mindset from wanting to do the extremes to wanting to do something sustainable. Mm-hmm. There's a lot that goes into this. And to answer your question from earlier, really quick, I've been someone who struggled with it as well, but I was kind of the person who would binge on cardio. So I would restrict mm-hmm. and then go and enjoy a meal with my spouse or whoever. And then I binge on cardio and it was just this like continuous cycle. But for me, a lot of the work was mental mm-hmm. and so many things that helped me, but I think the first thing is understanding that we need to let go of instant gratification because the reason we want a yo-yo diet is for two reasons. We want quick results. We don't want to be patient, but we're also so conditioned to think that it has to be difficult, right? I mean, majority of the women that I talk to who apply for my programs, that's what they tell me. They say, well, everybody's doing it, right? I want quick results. Whenever I try to go about it, a sustainable route, it's slow, which it's supposed to be right? But we're also so conditioned to think that it's got to be fast. And so another thing too, is understanding this is a lifestyle. And if you're not willing to be in it for the long term and truly make a lifestyle change and adapt habits that help you actually maintain change, then you're always going to be stuck in the yo-yo. So for me, a big thing was just finding a big reason why I wanted to, you know, be in shape for the rest of my life, not just for a show or, you know, a short-term goal. And I think it all starts there is finding a bigger reason outside of the physical too, and understanding how prioritizing your health can impact so many other areas of your life, because the physical is only going to motivate you for so long. 
And, you know, when it comes to breaking that yo-yo cycle, again, it just comes down to finding that bigger reason why you want it in the long term and accepting that this is a long-term game. You know, you have to be in it for the life essentially. Yeah. I think there's a lot of mistakes people can make. It's one, they start a program and they think, well, when I'm done with this program, I'm going to go back to eating normal. Or once I achieve my goal, then, you know, I'm going to go back to what I'm doing. And they fail to understand that the reason why you're at where you're at today is because of everything you've been doing prior. Like it comes down to your habits and your mindset. And you eventually, I think, have to come to this turning point of, again, not wanting the instant gratification and realizing like something needs to change. Like I hear this a lot too of people who want to work on their relationship with food. And a big part of that is you have to realize that your relationship with food is bad and you have to want to change it in the first place. So like you have to recognize the cycle and be able to call yourself out and then recognize like, okay, I need to change this, but obviously change is going to be uncomfortable. Totally. And I think that's the hardest part is accepting. It's not going to be this like magic pill. And I work with a lot of women who, you know, the ones that have struggled with yoga dieting are so used to the process being something like a 30 day challenge, right? Where they're given a strict meal plan and there's no thinking involved, but Mm. if you want long-term change, it doesn't start with a meal plan. It doesn't even start with a macro count. Right. And that's, that's a lot for me to say, because I do provide, you know, I, I focus on you know, nutritional education in my programs and macronutrients are powerful, as you know, in terms of making body composition change, but long-term change doesn't start there. It does start with building better habits and you accepting that, like you said, you do need to build a better relationship with food. You need to remove morals from food, right. And learn how to adapt to real life situations or circumstances and not view this as a diet. And I think that's the hardest part. I mean, majority of people that I talk to who ask for my help are always telling me I started a diet at this point and I saw great progress, but then I gained 20 pounds back. And I'm like, you got to focus on the internal first, the mental piece. The fact that you're calling it a diet is also not helping you because then it puts in your head that this is temporary, not Mm -hmm. long, you know? Yeah. Any fat loss phase that you are going to enter, like you have to have an, an exit strategy. And I think a big mistake people make when hiring a coach or starting a program or even starting a bikini competition is they only think of the diet itself and they don't think of the aftercare, right? Aftercare is so important. Um, Even if you're just a lifestyle client, because trust me as a coach, like I hate when someone leaves me just at the end of a cut because I'm like, crap, like I I really want to get this person into maintenance because your metabolism's downregulated maybe you're a little bit more food focused. That is a natural thing that can happen when you're dieting. And so I want to put you in a good position to transition to your everyday life, what everybody wants, right? I want to make this a lifestyle, right? Well, we we want to help you make it a lifestyle, but you have to put in the time, not just in the diet, but also in the reverse diet. So you can avoid that rebound weight gain. Yeah, hundred percent. And you're so right. We're so focused on getting to that end target, but we don't understand that for a lot of women who have chronic dieted, that's what you've been doing your whole entire life. <laughs> you yeah, know, you're always like diet easy. Yes. Yeah. You're just focused on that end goal, but don't understand nutrition periodization, right. And working on upregulating your metabolism. And another thing you pointed out, which 
I just want to comment on is a lot of women don't understand, even in a fat loss phase, after you've lost, let's say five, 10 pounds of fat, whatever, your metabolism is downregulating as your dieting phase, right? So even though you look maybe better in your eyes, you know, in terms of body composition, your metabolism actually does slow as you lose weight or body fat. Yeah. So it's so crucial to have that post phase. You're right. People freak out when they hear that too. Like they think there's something wrong with their body when they hear your metabolism slowing down when you diet, when that's actually a very healthy and normal, normal response to have, like the people that, you know, lose weight quote unquote easily are the ones that their metabolism doesn't really adapt down as fast. And that's, and that's rare to see. Um, but that's why when you're dieting, you can't just have like one set of protocols and just stay there the whole time. Like over time, you have to make adjustments. You have to increase the deficit through maybe your nutrition, maybe your cardio, maybe your daily, yeah, daily activity. Like there's so many things that you have to constantly be shifting because the metabolism is constantly shifting, but you're not broken. If that happens, like your thyroid gets downregulated. Like if you were to do lab work, like right at the end of a diet, like it's not going to look the best. And that's why you should even like wait to get that kind of stuff done. Yeah, absolutely. No, you're so right. And you know, a lot of women have a hard time accepting, like you said, that, you know, metabolism is going to downregulate as they go through a dieting phase. And they have a hard time understanding that because typically post diet phase, a lot of women feel their best physically. Right. Mm -hmm. So like you said, it's not a bad thing. It's actually a good thing. It's a normal thing. Right. A lot of women. Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say like, just like how the metabolism can go down though, it can also go back up. But I think a lot of people feel too nervous to sacrifice maybe three to five pounds. Like if you're a lifestyle client, like they're they're holding on to that so hard. Like let's say they lost 20 pounds or scared to gain that three to five pounds back. But it's like, well, what else are you going to gain with that three to five pounds? Are you going to gain being able to eat 800 calories more in a day? Are you going to be able to gain more free time because you're not doing as much cardio? What about date nights? You know, you're going to gain a lot of things just through not being like your lightest weight. Mm-hmm. And I love that you pointed that out because I have a lot of women in my programs who will go on social media and find pictures of other women who are shredded to the bone and, you know, say, or, or come to me and ask like, how realistic is it for me to get, get here, like get this yeah. lean. And I say, you can do it. Like you, you can do it if you want it. You can do a bunch of cardio and get there quicker. Right. Or eventually get there. Even if you're doing it at a slow and sustainable rate as far as not sustainable, but slow and steady, right? Right. Mm-hmm. But what sacrifices do you not see on social media that come with that? Right. Yeah. And I have a lot of women who come to me who see my competition pictures and say, oh my gosh, I want to get ready for a show. I'm going to do it in six months from now. Let's get going. I'm like, no, 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 no. You don't understand what sacrifices come with that. It's not as easy as dieting for two months and throwing on a bikini. Like people just don't see the behind the scenes, right? Mm -hmm. So it's up to you as an individual to make that decision as to what's worth it to sacrifice because with every, you know, level of body fat that you're trying to achieve, the lower and lower it gets, the more and more sacrifice and less flexibility that comes with it. Yeah. It's interesting with like the competitor space because a lot of people will one either mass photo shoot, you know, they get a bunch of content done and then those are the only pictures that they post 
or they compete a lot and too much. That was me, you know, constantly competing like each and every single year because I felt like I had to, but also like I felt like the most comfortable when I was like really lean. So I was scared to not be super lean. Um, But people don't realize like just how extreme it is. Like when McKenna and I are saying like, it's super hard to get there. We're not saying it's just a light deficit. We're saying like you're committing like two to three hours of your day to just exercise. You're probably not going out to eat. You're probably not drinking. You're probably low energy. You probably have like, like no cycle towards the end of your prep. Like it's, yeah, it's grueling to get there. And I think people think it's just this like little cut, like, no, it's, it's really hard. It's really hard. And then what's, what's even more difficult too, is the reverse, (laughs) you know, as your metabolism is building and hunger is building, it just, it's Mm -hmm. tough. Yeah. I mean, you have to kind of dedicate by the end of prep your entire life. I mean, I lost my cycle for two years because I was in the same position as you and Nicole, just, you know, competing back to back. And once you put yourself on social media and your leanest body, especially before social media was so much more authentic, you know, like it is back in 2014, 2015, it was all about showing up perfect. And so once you put your body online like that, you want people to just continuously see like that, because they think if you don't look like that, then you've, you know, lost your progress or you've thrown in the towel in, in yourself. Right. And so I think there was a lot of pressure back then, but yeah, I mean, going back to circling back to what we're talking about in terms of sacrifice, there's a lot of sacrifice. And the other thing too, is your body doesn't want to get there. And I think that's really hard for women to understand is like, we are meant to birth babies, right? Yeah. And have body fat. And have body fat. And so there's a reason that it takes a lot in order for you to lose body fat. Your body does not want you to lose it. So yeah. 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 I mean, for most women, you want to be above like 15% body fat. Like when you start to get lower than that, you're really starting to get pretty unhealthy and it's like a diminishing return. It's like get leaner for what, you know, cause at the end of the day, even if you do start to maintain that extremely lean look, you're actually leaving yourself more prone to muscle loss. So it's not all sunshine and rainbows, like once you attain that level, like the goal with your cut is to be able to end at a comfortable level. You know, let's say that's 14, 1500 calories end at a comfortable level and then start going up. Don't end your diet at a thousand calories per day at an hour of cardio per day, because you're going to feel really burnt out. So you want to end like when your battery is still like at like 40%. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And your body will typically communicate that too. At the end of a deficit, you'll probably notice less progression, right? Your biofeedback mm-hmm. will suffer, which is, you know, other markers of progress, like your hunger will probably be even higher. Your mood will be low. Your libido will Motivation be will probably be bad. <laughs> Motivation bad. I mean, energy, you're not going to get any pump in the gym, right? I remember being in that position at the end of, you know, a few years competing back to back where it just felt pointless to be working out because I couldn't even feel it, you know? Mm-hmm. So typically your body will communicate when it's time for you to turn around and start increasing your food. But I agree with that. You don't want to get to a point where you're at a thousand calories in one or two hours of cardio a day. I mean, I even got to that point yeah. <laughs> in the beginning of my competitive years. And it's really hard to reverse out of that because typically I tell my clients the amount of time that you spend in a deficit 
is around the same time you want to spend, you know, moving back up to your new maintenance, wherever yeah. that be. So, yeah. So it's like, if you're in a 12 week cut, you're going to need to be higher for at least 12 weeks. Oh, yeah. I kind of like to double it too. If you can be oh, patient, gosh. like double it, you're going to be in a way better spot. Yeah. Well, and that will limit the amount of body fat you gain as well. Right. Yeah, exactly. Oh. You're just going to be in a better position overall. And for women in particular, a lot of times when they get leaner, they end up thinking they still don't have that tone look that they want or, or they're happy, but they could always want a little bit more shoulder, a little bit more booty or whatever it might be. So it's like, I still want to build more. And so it's like, great. Like women, we know it's really hard for us to gain muscle. So the more time that you can spend in maintenance, even a slight surplus, like you're going to make more gains there. Totally. Yeah. Well, and that's where all the growth happens, right? So I don't know about you, Nicole, but I have a lot of women who come to me who have been yo-yo dieting for years or chronic dieting, and their whole focus is getting lean and, you know, achieving that quote unquote toned look. But mm -hmm. I think one of the hardest things to accept is for them in their position, what's important is focusing on, you know, increasing metabolic rate so that their body can actually respond to a deficit. So being mm -hmm. in maintenance and being at a really healthy place metabolically is ultimately where we all want to be. So that's why periodizing your nutrition is so key here. Yeah. And so when you're done with a fat loss phase, the goal should be to enter into a reverse diet. There's a lot of confusion with reverse diet. Like a lot of people think you can just do it forever. And I like to think of reverse dieting like a taxi driver. So it picks you up at the end of your cut and it decides like, where do you want to go? Do you want to go to your new maintenance, which you have to take that into account if you've lost a significant amount of weight mm -hmm. or do you want to go into a surplus? That's all reverse dieting does. Like once you get dropped off at your location, you just stay there. And I think a lot of people keep thinking like, what's next? What's next? They don't realize like you can just stay there and live there. Like the thing with fat loss, we have to limit your time. The thing with building or maintenance, we don't have to limit your time there. You can stay as long as you want. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and that's the goal, right? To kind of get to maintenance and, or go into a slight surplus above your maintenance and go into mm -hmm. a growing phase and then go back down to maintenance and just kind of be able to live there and not yeah. overeat it, you know? So, yeah. And so like full on body recomp too, like instead of going that drastic approach, like you need to be giving this cycle, like years, like years of not a full year in a fat loss, but doing yeah. a fat loss phase, seeing where you're at, reevaluating and then building, maybe you're building for six months, 12 months, two years, and then you do another cut and reevaluate where you're at. And then I think eventually you get to the point where you're happy with where you're like what you got and you maintain, right? Well, and I love that you mentioned that too, because when someone is brand new to resistance training, they're going to see a whole lot of growth in that first year, or maybe yeah. even two years. And then mm -hmm. as time goes on, once you're, you know, a decade into it, like I am, and probably you too, at this point, yeah. you know, you don't gain as much year to year. And so, yeah. yeah, you will get to a point where you're happy physically and you can go into maintenance periods longer and that's the goal. We don't always have to be hyper-focused on an extreme, right? Yeah. But I think as women and being so exposed to that, I don't want to say cut culture, <laughs> but kind of, right? Like constant cutting phase. Mm -hmm. It's easy to think we always have to do that, but it's definitely not the goal. Yeah. You got to be realistic with yourself too, of like, 
what is a realistic quote body goal for you to have? And like we chatted about earlier, like a stage lean body is, is not it. Like also be careful, like who you're comparing to. If you're a five foot female, don't compare to someone that's five, eight and their portions are like, yeah, their proportions are totally different than you. Cause then you're going to be like, well, why, do, why don't my hips look like that? Or my shoulders look like that? It's like, we shouldn't really be comparing. I'm, I'm actually not a huge fan of comparing in general. Like you should really look at like what you're working with and just try to make the most out of it. Well, yeah, a hundred percent. I have a lot of clients who will do that in the beginning, just kind of look at full days of eating. Right. Not that yeah. I'm against that. Cause I think it's great, you know, for people to show different types of meal ideas. I love that. Yeah. But it's when we start comparing to someone who has similar stats as us. And it's, I always tell my clients, it's wasting your time because we all have different dieting histories, lifestyles. I mean, the amount of non-exercise activity from one person to another can make a huge difference in their ability to eat more or eat less. You know, obviously genetics play some role. It's not everything, but it does play some role in terms of muscle bellies you know, Mm -hmm. someone that has really round shoulders or really round glutes, not that they haven't worked for it because they obviously have, but some genetics play into that where certain body parts will grow quicker than others. Yeah. Just like me and my stupid shoulders. I am just convinced that they don't want to grow. Oh my gosh. We all have a muscle group like that. We all do. Everybody does. Like for me, I, I joke that I don't hold a lot of body fat in my midsection right and I feel like a lot of women want that but then like I feel like I just want their shoulders so it's always like you just kind of want what you don't have and it is what it is that's as human beings we always want what we don't have and we're so focused on what we're not while someone else is in a different position right Mm -hmm. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you're doing anything wrong. Like, um, I joke about my shoulders and like, I've, I've, I've talked about it before, I think on my podcast or like my Instagram and people be like, well, are you doing this or are you doing that? And it's like, listen, like you could genuinely be doing everything right, but you have to understand that certain areas of your body, regardless of how awesome you are at nailing all of your protocols, sometimes things are just going to be lagging. It's like that guy at the gym. We all know this guy where he's jacked and he doesn't have calves, you know? So (laughs) that's so accurate. Yes. So he probably knows how to grow them. He probably is training them. Right. I'm not trying to hate on anyone whose husband doesn't have calves, but what we're saying is like, he knows how to build muscle. It's just, that's his stubborn spot. Like everybody has it. And so it's just kind of, it is what it is. Right. Well, and it might just be a matter of time too. Like maybe it'll take one person quadruple the time to grow a certain muscle versus Mm -hmm. someone else who grows it quick. But, you know, we're all predisposed to certain things growing quicker versus another. And that's part of just accepting we're all individual. Yeah. And just because something is more stubborn doesn't mean you should toss in the towel. It's just, you got to realize, like you said, it's going to be slower for you. And so be it. It might take someone a year or two might take you 20 years. That's fine. <laughs> and that's, it sounds like we're exaggerating, but we're not like, it literally could take that long. You yeah. know, it's pointless to go online and compare. And again, I have clients that do that all the time who find someone who has similar stats or I'll see comments on my posts asking what, how tall I am or, you know, whatever it is. And mm-hmm. it's pointless. There's so many things that play into it. Yeah. So, McKenna, how would you say someone can 
diet smarter? I know we've talked about certain aspects in our podcast so far, but like, what are some things that stick out to you that you really feel like people need to nail? That's a great question. So first off, kind of looping back to nutrition periodization, being in the maintenance phase for sure first, right? I have a lot of women who reach out to me who have kind of yo-yoed for years and years and they want to jump right into a diet and expect their body to respond, you know, when they haven't given their metabolism time to build and upregulate and go mm-hmm. back to their maintenance, right? So taking some time to be at maintenance before going into a deficit is key, but During the actual dieting phase, I think the biggest thing would be one, not going from zero to a (laughs) hundred. I have a lot of clients who want to do that. They want to tack on the cardio. They want to tack on a huge step goal. They want to tack on lower carbohydrates. They want to cut all, you know, foods that are not whole foods and just take it from zero to a hundred. And that's one way to get burnt out really, really quick. And so I'm a big believer in slow progression and, you know, adding small amounts of steps week to week, if that's the way that you're going to contribute to energy output, you know, or with food changes, really focusing on adherence with a small food change first and letting your body adapt to that before making others. So I would say just, you know, being smart about the changes you're making and not going from zero to a hundred, because another thing that might happen with that is adaptation. So if you do add in an hour of cardio three times a week, Again, I have a lot of women who want to do that just because they feel like it'll speed up their results and you're going to end up paying for it later on, right? You're only going to have to build upon that as time goes on. So, yeah. yeah. Really the questions you should be asking yourself before you diet is like, what habits can I improve in order to make the fat loss phase a seamless transition? You shouldn't be going into a cut and it feel like total shock. And I think a lot of people feel like that and that's why they burn out or they complain so much about the process. And it's like, I'm not going to lie. Dieting's hard. Like it doesn't matter if you're getting ready for a competition or your lifestyle client, like you're going to be hungry sometimes and it, it does require sacrifice, but you shouldn't be like dragging your feet the whole time. But one way you can avoid that is through just working on the habits. Like you shouldn't be like you were saying, like going from 2000 steps a day to 10,000 or I've never tracked a macro in my life to trying to hit everything perfectly. Like it's just really overwhelming. Right. Well, and I love that you mentioned that too, because I always tell my clients this, everything that you do in a deficit, as far as like habits, for the most part, you should be doing in maintenance, right? Like moving your Mm -hmm. body. Obviously in a deficit, you're going to maybe have to, at some point, make certain food changes to get your body at a lower weight or a lower body fat percentage. So in that regard, it won't be the same as in maintenance, but habit wise, as far as having regular meals, right? When you're in maintenance, not yo-yoing in maintenance, essentially having one meal one day and three meals another, same Mm -hmm. with exercise activity, having that habit built of getting up and moving your body through the day is crucial. Same with your workouts, right? It doesn't mean you have to do six workouts a week in a deficit and, you know, six a week in maintenance. If you want to scale back a little bit and move that to four in maintenance, you can, but those habits are so key in terms of making your deficit so much easier. Yeah. I really love this one account and I wish I could think of her name and she displays like two different plates, like showing her goal is building muscle and it's the same exact food as the other person that says like their goal is weight loss and it's the same food. And the only thing she's showing that's different is the portion size. 
And that's really how we have to look at fat loss is like, you don't have to be doing a complete 180. Like you're starting a fat loss phase, cut the carbs, cut, cut the fats. Like we don't need to be doing that. Like just take what you're eating right now and decrease the portion size. Primarily, it's probably just going to be your carbs and fats. That's it. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. And I see people make that mistake a ton where they do try to go zero to a hundred and, you know, in maintenance, they're kind of lackadaisical with their habits and they don't prioritize those things. But the difference between people who don't do that, don't have healthy habits established versus those who do is the ones who do have made it a lifestyle, right? Mm -hmm. No matter what phase they're in, they're focused on health, you know, from the inside and that sort of thing. So I love that comparison. You'll have to send me the account sometime. I'm so mad that I can't think (laughs) of it because she, her food is so aesthetically pleasing too. It's like beautiful food. And I, I was just thinking the other day, I'm like, I wonder if she just like saves one for later. Cause like, I would not want to waste that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, props to her. That's amazing. It also made me think of this other account where it's like his plate and her plate, but like with me being in a building phase, I'm like, no, the bigger plate's now my plate. And I just want to encourage anyone listening. Like if you're in a building phase or maintenance and maybe you're eating more than your partner like that's totally fine too 100 percent. yeah I think that we're so conditioned to think as women we need less but it's not always the case I mean if you're more active than your spouse if you're lifting weights more you know if yeah. you have more non-exercise activity and your goals are specifically focused on growth then again you can't compare right yeah, it's exactly. a journey of you versus you so. definitely McKenna, what are some of your closing thoughts from our podcast today, or maybe like last like minute advice for anyone listening? Yeah, my, I would say, I don't know. I have a few things. I would just say that if you're someone who's wanting to find sustainability, if you're wanting to ditch the yo-yo cycle, like actually for good, understand that this is a long-term game, you know, Mm -hmm. and comparing yourself to people on social media who you have no idea what it takes to get there is not helpful in your journey at all. And, you know, if you're really wanting sustainability and long-term change, it's going to take nutrition periodization, you know, setting aside certain different phases for nutrition and your training and understanding that again, it's, it's a long-term game. So metabolism Mm -hmm. and metabolic health is really important for your body to actually be able to respond to deficits. And if you want to go about your fat loss phases in an enjoyable way, you've got to really establish better habits because habits are where long-term change is made. Yeah, that's a great point. You're not going to be able to just be like, I want a more balanced approach and be able to flip a switch and get there. What's going to end up happening is the emotional attachment to food or the scale or to your body or to exercise in a certain way. Like there's a huge psychological component here. And that's where our habits are rooted in. And you have to understand that that's going to take time. I mean, I honestly think it probably took me years to find balance, you know, and there's plenty of times where I fell down plenty of times, like, like really crashed and burned, but you learn from that and you keep moving forward. And that's how the people that make it look easy, like we've had our hard times too. So we get it. And, and that's why we want everybody to get here but we know that you're going to fail along the way and there's no judgment, you know? Right. Well, and something I always tell my clients is that this process is a continuum. It's not a wagon. And we tend to always say, I fell off the wagon. Right. And I always tell my clients, there is no wagon. It's a continuum. Like, yeah, 
ever go, it's always going right. Mm -hmm. So your off weeks or your off days are part of this process, especially if you're going from a place of chronic dieting to trying to find something sustainable, I'll have a lot of clients join my program and they just want to like execute perfect because they've invested in a coach. And I always have to like, kind of put them back in their place and say, we've got to understand, you know, expectations here. You're going to have off days. And if you continuously view those off days as failing, you're never going to break that cycle. So there is yeah. a huge psychological component here. And that's really where long-term change happens is being able to shift your perspective. Yeah, definitely. McKenna, where can people find you if they're wanting to connect more? Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram. My handle is just my first and maiden name, I guess, McKenna Henry. It's H-E-N-R-I-E. And then you can find me through my free Facebook community. It's just called Sustainable Fat Loss with MH Fitness. But majority of my posting is done over on Instagram. So well, thank you again for hopping on. And for anyone listening, if you want to check out McKenna's information down below, it will be in the description. Thanks again. Thank you. Here on Beyond the Bikini, we talk a lot about training and nutrition. Trust me, it can be challenging to hit your fitness goals on your own. There is so much out there when it comes to working out, hitting your nutrition, and finding the plan that's right for you and your goals. Now, one thing that can make that a lot easier is hiring a coach and getting support towards your goals. I'm happy to say that I do offer online health and fitness coaching. I have plans that vary from support with training and nutrition and just your nutrition, and I even offer challenges throughout the year. If that sounds like something you're interested in, make sure you check out that description box down below. You can also find more details on my coaching services at NicoleFerrierFitness.com or even on Instagram at Nicole Ferry Fitness. All right, now back to the episode.